I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Madeleine Albright. So grab your decorative pin. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And what's a fun fact of the day? Ooh, that's a good one. I know. I just I just said that wow. with, with absolutely not a single fun fact. Let me think. Oh, I can give you a fun fact about the person we're going to talk about that is not Ooh. in the the fun facts at the end a pre-fun fact there there is a pre-fun let's do a pre-fun fact so the pre-fun fact so the person we're talking about today is madeline albright first female secretary of state who just passed so we're doing her biopic biopic episode in honor of her and the fun fact that is not in the list of fun facts is that she was 
410. Oh. I know. That's that's quite on the shorter side. Very short. Yeah, that's very surprising because she doesn't, this is, I know it, it's deceptive, but she doesn't photograph as somebody who's yeah. 410? Yeah. Like she looks, and it just could, it could be because she just seems so like stern and is this kind of omnipresent being for you know accomplishing what she accomplished throughout her life yeah um but yeah i would not have guessed that i would no, not have when guessed you, when you see her in pictures with other people it's not like she's i feel well, like she's also never probably s- wearing a heel oh that's pro- that is probably true so that'll give you know? her like but that'll put her over five feet but i yeah. feel like whenever i saw her with people it wasn't like wow she, either she's really short or bill clinton's a giant you know, like, <laughs> sure. I, it was just, anyway, so that is a, a it's not like a Danny DeVito fact. situation where like Danny DeVito looks very short, <laughs> photographs his height <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> oh my God. Everything about Danny DeVito is very Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, shout out to Danny DeVito. He is a, the, a national treasure. National treasure. Did you ever see the Friends episode where he is a strip dancer or strip? No, I didn't. Or I'm sure oh. I – well, maybe I have. That sounds relatively familiar. He's it's, amazing. He's amazing. He He's um he's a what – what is the word? Why am I having pro- problem problems with words? Not strip dancer. What do they call it? A, a, a stripper? A stri- I guess it's a stripper. Like you hire them for like bachelor parties. A stripper. I think you're thinking like a male stripper. A male stripper. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, Lord help me! A stripper. Anyway, he plays a stripper. He dresses up as a cop and comes over and does, um, Mm. uh, like strips for like I think it's one of Phoebe's parties or something. But it's just so funny, and he's like, he it's anyway. But yeah, I I don't know how to segue out of that. (laughs) No, there's no way out of that. God, I was just gonna let you kind of flounder, and then I was gonna sort of take us in a different direction, but. But you got, I got you, I got you. No, but that is a great pre-fun fact. And I do yeah. love the idea of a pre-fun fact to get our palettes cleansed for the episode. So now that we know that Madeline Albright is 4'10", mm-hmm. which like obviously your height doesn't prevent you or impact how you are able to live and do your job at all. But that is interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was a surprising thing to learn. It is a surprising thing to learn. Because like I said, she really doesn't. Yeah, in photographs I've seen of her, I just wouldn't have guessed 410. No, not at all. Um, So now that we're palate cleansed, mm -hmm. do you want to talk about today's sarses? Sure. So today's sarses, obviously, the Department of State. (laughs) I mean, you got to go to, you got to go to the state. You got to go to the state. You got to go to the source. Two recent articles that were written after Madeleine Albright passed away. One from the New York Times by Robert D. McFadden, and another one from CNN by Caroline Kelly. And then our tried and true, history.com. We go nowhere without her. Nowhere without her. I never just, it's like phone, wallet, keys, history.com. Exactly. That's my checklist for leaving the house. Exactly. Yep. Do you want to start us off? I do. I do. I want (gasps) to start us off. I want to jump on in. Let's talk about Madeline's. Early life, young Maddie. 
Here we go. Madeleine Albright, America's first female Secretary of State, was born Marie Jana Korbelova on May 15, 1937, in Prague, Czechoslovakia, which is now the Czech Republic. I love Prague, and mm. I didn't realize she was born there. Mm-hmm. I There's a remember, lot I don't know about Madeleine Albright. I remember that she wasn't like born here. That I did remember, but I could not. I couldn't have picked out where she was originally from. Interesting. Yeah. The daughter of Czech diplomat Josef Korbel, Albright fled to England with her family after the Nazis occupied Czechoslovakia in 1939. Though Albright long believed they had fled for political reasons, she learned as an adult that her family was Jewish and that three of her grandparents had died in Nazi concentration camps. Yikes. It's, Prague yeah. is actually a very interesting place to go because I feel like we're so used to the cities and countries that were on the allies of mm. the World War II, that to be somewhere where it was actually not. I mean, Berlin's the same way for me. I was, I've yeah. been to both Berlin and Prague. That to be in places where it was actually where the Nazis were operating business and Prague specifically was, you know, taken over very violently and um, and it was, you know, a kind of a, a hub for nazi operations it's it's mm. just a different it's a totally different perspective from this yeah. place where it's like like london where you're like this is where winston churchill did his <laughs> bunker stuff and like helped win the war in prague it's like here's where people were persecuted and captured and you know and murdered uh, yeah yeah correct yeah. berlin was yeah having yeah been to london and paris and berlin berlin felt like it has a different feel yeah for yeah. sure well, yeah, Berlin, Berlin specifically. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Continuing on. Her father, Josef, was a member of the Czechoslovak Foreign Service and served as a press attaché in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, and later became ambassador to Yugoslavia. Okay, so this is kind of running in the family. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. Also, attaché. Attaché. Enchanté. Enchanté, attaché. Enchanté, attaché. What a great word. <laughs> Did you were you surprised that I said that right? Because no, I, I have full faith in you. Thank you. Yeah, because I obviously speak French. But you've been nailing the names, so if <laughs> you can do if you can do these names, you can do attaché, attaché, enchanté. Mm -hmm. You stay. After the communist coup in 1948, the family immigrated to Denver, Colorado. Elbright Americanized her name to Madeline and became a U.S. citizen in 1957, and earned a B.A. in political science with honors from Wesley College in 1959. She earned a Ph.D. in public law and government at Columbia University in 1976. Okay, shout out to your alum. Hi. Your alumna. We are, of course, the same. Of course the same. Of I course mean, the same. I, too, have a Ph.D. Shoot. Yosef Kerbel, her father, became dean of the School of International Relations at the University of Denver, where he would later train another female secretary of state, Condoleezza Rice. That's right? a fun fact. That's a fun fact. That's a fun fact. Yeah. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And just shows you how small the pool is <laughs> for <laughs> selecting these tiny. types of positions. Seriously. Same with like SCOTUS. <laughs> <laughs> After graduating from Wesley College in 1959, 
Albright married Joseph Medill Patterson Albright of the prominent Medill newspaper publishing family. So continuing on with Madeline Albright. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about her early career. So she's got a master's and PhD from Columbia under her belt. And she is headed to Washington, D.C., where she worked for Maine's Senator Edmund S. Muskie and served on the National Security Council in the administration of our beloved President Jimmy Carter. Hey, Hey. James Earl Carter Jr. Gave up his peanut farm. Love to see it. Love to see it. Madeline and Joseph Albright divorced in 1982. They had three kids. Two of them are twins. Oh, love. Fun fact. Love. During the Republican presidencies of Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush, Albright worked for several nonprofit organizations and taught at Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. She served as a policy advisor to three presidential candidates, former Senator Walter F. Mondale of Minnesota in 1984, Governor Michael S. Dukakis of Massachusetts in 1988, and Mr. Bill Clinton in 1992. Hmm. A lot of heavy hitters. A lot of heavy hitters. So yeah, Madeleine Albright, all of those campaigns, she served as an advisor. She was also the campaign foreign policy advisor to Geraldine Ferraro, who was the first woman to run for vice president. Love. Love. She was largely unknown until former President Bill Clinton took office as president in 1993 and named her chief delegate to the United Nations. Go off. Over the next four years, she became a tough advocate for global interests of the United States, but she and the president clashed repeatedly with Secretary General Boutros Boutros Ghali over peacekeeping operations in Somalia, Rwanda, and the Bosnian Civil War, which, like, the Rwandan genocide, both Madeleine Albright and Bill Clinton have been like, this was the biggest mistake of of the administration of my, you know. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it just because it was something that they had a had a part in and I mean, not the genocide, obviously, but the United States response to it. And yeah, she writes about how she regrets what they that they didn't step in. Yeah. So just a little bit about this. So Bill Clinton had hardly endorsed humanitarian and peacekeeping operations when American troops entered Somalia in 1992 to feed starving victims of the Civil War. And this is all still coming from the New York Times. But when 18 American troops were slain by the forces of a Somali warlord in 1993, and the nation saw television images of a dead helicopter pilot dragged through the streets of Mogadishu, Bill Clinton retreated from political from politically risky United Nations missions. So he didn't want this like backlash coming onto him. Yeah. It's bad PR. It was bad PR. There's a reason why they didn't show, you know, the troops come like the um, the dead soldiers coming back, at, you know, in um, wasn't it George Bush where he was like, we're not filming the coffins coming off of the. Um, oh, I don't remember that. The, the but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, after 9-11. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I remember at some point when that got lifted and like then we started seeing them and it was like, yeah. So thus, the U.S., like other member states, held back from aiding a small force of U.N. peacekeepers when Rwanda descended into genocide and rape in 1994. So because we're not wanting to get involved, we're basically, like, not helping the people who are being slaughtered. And Yeah. Just horrible. 
As many as a million people were killed in Rwanda. Madeleine Albright put the onus on Boutros Boutros Ghali, calling him disengaged, but the secretary general said he had been rebuffed when he tried to see the president to seek support. Years later, President Bill Clinton apologized for America's inaction in Rwanda. So in a 2003 memoir titled Madam Secretary, Madeleine Albright wrote, quote, My deepest regret from my years in public service is the failure of the United States and the international community to act sooner to halt these crimes, close quote. It was a regret that she repeated in much the same words in an interview for this obituary. Which yeah. I is I mean, so yeah, they didn't they didn't step in to help. And yeah, that would be a that would be a heavy thing to have on your conscience. And it should weigh. And it should weigh. You know? Uh you know, obviously not just on those two, but anybody who didn't yeah. act. Yeah. In that time, it weighs, it, you know, something something as horrific as that. It's just like, you know, it's just like the the Nazi concentration camps. It has, yeah. it has to weigh on every global entity, yeah. you know, yeah. who knew that it was happening and, and stood by and did nothing. And did nothing. Yeah. I mean, we didn't so, for a while. You know. Right. And it, and, and <laughs> it should weigh heavily on U.S.S.T. On U.S.S.T. I also, the fact that you get, inter- the if you're a person of note, the fact that you get interviewed for your obituary. Yeah, it's, it's a little more Yeah, yeah. I, I like, mean, I wonder what? if, like, they, I, I'd be surprised if they framed it like that. They were like, do you want to say some words in case you die? Or were they just working, <laughs> like, had they just recently done a piece and we're going to run a piece on her? She passed and now we end up using it. For this obituary. Well, I, so I know that there are, like, they do papers like the New York Times, like big papers, will do, will preemptively write obituaries. Sure. For people before they die. So, part of me is like, ready to pull that trigger. Right. So that when it's it's not, you know, like, hold on, now we got to bust out. You got to stay late because you got to write an obit for the first female secretary of state. Yeah, I was just like, I had that same thought. I was like, I hope they didn't tell her. If <laughs> We're expecting you to die. Anything you want to say? Yeah, she could have handle it. She was a a tough, you know, check broad. She could have yeah. handled it. Hell yeah. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's talk about her as Secretary of State, because obviously she was and... A lot, a lot to talk about. You do a lot when you're Secretary of State. It's a, it's a very interesting position. I feel like as I grow older and see different Secretaries of States, I mm-hmm. see the po- impact, both positive and negatively, they can have. Yeah. So let's talk about Madeline. So Madeline Albright was nominated to be the first woman Secretary of State by Bill Clinton on December fifth, nineteen ninety six. And she was then confirmed by the U.S. Senate on January 22nd, 1997, and then sworn in officially the very next day. This is very interesting and something we will probably never see again, but she was unanimously confirmed by the Senate 99 to 0 and soon made her first official trip not to a foreign capital, but to Texas. (laughs) where she spoke at Rice University. Determined, she said, to take the United States foreign policy straight to the American people. I mean, honestly, if I'm ever nominated and confirmed to a high position in government, you can betcha the first place I'm going is Texas. Texas. Go to the people. Go to the Mm -hmm. people. She said, quote, As secretary, I will do my best to talk about foreign policy, not in abstract terms, but in human terms and in bipartisan terms. I consider this vital because in our democracy, we cannot pursue policies abroad that are not understood and supported here at home. Which I think is valuable. She's like, you need to understand what I'm doing. Yeah. This shouldn't be difficult. Mm -mm. to comprehend or to understand for the average American citizen who's just living their life and not involved in politics. Right. Which is kind of what our podcast mission is, you know? It's like this shouldn't be inaccessible. No. And to take the message to the people who maybe not in our modern warfare as we've experienced it so far, but definitely in the time that, you know, she, you know, was born and was growing up, like the people in in their home countries paid also paid a price for when a country waged, waged a war you know like yeah. usually the citizens do have to pay somehow or they sacrifice or they you know they ration or something yeah. like that so if you're going to ask people to do that to make sacrifices for a foreign policy she's right she's like you you should understand it you should understand yeah what we're doing and why 
And it's also just like, you know, this is a woman who at a very, very young age escaped Nazi-occupied Prague. Uh, So the idea of democracy and I think what it means hits differently from somebody who just grew up like us, you know? Agreed. Mm -hmm. Just kind of what you called normally. She then embarked on a nine-nation world tour with stops in Rome, Paris, London, Brussels, Bonn, Moscow, Tokyo, Seoul, and Beijing. It was a getting-to-know-you circumnavigation that showed off her grasp of issues, her language skills, her centrality as President Clinton's chief foreign policymaker and spokeswoman. She generated excitement everywhere and appeared to have a wonderful time, according wonderful to the time. New York Times. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta have fun. Sure. If you love what you I do, mean, you never I... work a day in your life, you know? Right. I would love to go to all of these countries, cities, and be like, hello. And hello. hello. Especially in the early 90s. Come on. Hell yeah. Seriously. Come on. Let's rock and roll. As Secretary of State, Albright promoted the expansion of NATO eastward into the former Soviet bloc nations and the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons from the former Soviet Republic to rogue nations. She successfully pressed for military intervention under NATO auspices during the humanitarian crisis in Kosovo in 1999. She supported the expansion of free market democratization, and the creation of civil societies in the developed world, and she favored the ratification of the Kyoto Protocol on Global Climate Change and furthered the normalization of relations with Vietnam. So, shoot! You know what's so interesting Hmm. is how it's just like we never mean for this to happen, but it's one of those moments where we're talking about her initiative to promote the expansion of NATO eastward into former Soviet blocks of uh, countries that were originally, you know, formerly under the control of the Soviet Union. And now we have a war raging in Ukraine that is partly brought on because of Russia not wanting Ukraine to join NATO. And it's just like, it all ties together in a way that I'm like, we didn't even plan this. This is wild yeah and then finally last bullet about her time as secretary of state it ended she finished being the secretary of state on january 20th 2001 with obviously the election of george baby w bush yeah she was busy she was busy and she kept being busy after she Mm -hmm. finished her time as secretary of state Good. She didn't Always stop. stay busy. Always stay, stay busy. busy. Stay humble. Mm-hmm. So after her term as Secretary of State, she served as the chairwoman of the National Democratic Institute for International Affairs in Washington from 2001 until her death, her very recent yeah. death. And she taught at Georgetown. Yeah. She was also a prolific author penning several books, including a memoir that we mentioned earlier in 2003 called Madam Secretary. An excellent name. Great title. I mean, and she gets to use it. She gets to use that. Yes. It is a solid title and it only belongs to Madeline Albright. Yes. Love. I should say all of these notes are coming from uh, the CNN article mentioned at the top. She also worked in the private sector for a time. 
And who in 2012, I mean, who doesn't? In 2012, Albright received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama, who said her, quote, toughness helped bring peace back to the Balkans and paved the way for progress in some of the most unstable corners of the world, close quote. Throughout her retirement, Albright continued working for democracy around the world and speaking about U.S. policy, leveling particularly harsh criticism toward President Donald Trump, whom she called, quote, the most undemocratic president in modern American history. Sure. Quote, I mean, there's obviously. no surprise that Madeleine Albright no. wasn't a fan. No. In a New York Times op-ed written last month, just before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Albright argued that Russian leader Vladimir Putin would be making a, quote, historic error and warned of devastating costs to his country. So she was she knew what was up. She saw it. She oh, saw sure. It. I mean, yeah. well, like I said, this is something that this is an issue. This is like something she's been watching happening since. Yeah. I mean, obviously not the Russia-Ukraine specific conflict, but Russia's evolving and this, mm. uh, you know, the the very the tenseness surrounding relations between us and russia and nato and russia and the un and russia and russia versus everybody so yeah yeah she she's an expert i would say oh yeah oh yeah instead of paving russia's path to greatness invading ukraine would ensure mr putin's infamy by leaving his country diplomatically isolated economically crippled and strategically vulnerable in the face of a stronger, more united Western alliance. And that's from the New York Times op-ed. And to be fair, so far, that's exactly what's happened. Oh, yeah. She's spot on. You know, like there's still a lot of, you know, anything can change and happen. But she, I mean, she wrote this before anything happened between Russia and Ukraine. So I think her predictions so far have been... Correct. Correct. When asked by USA Today in August 2020 how she defined courage, Madeleine Albright replied, quote, it's when you stand up for what you believe in when it's not always easy and you get criticized for it. Close quote. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 And we're not going to end here because this would be a sad note to end on. Lizzie's going to do a fun fact. But final thing is that Madeleine Albright recently passed away from cancer on March 23rd of this year, 2022. At the age of 84. Yeah. Which is why we're doing this episode. Yeah. You know? I think it's always a good time to reflect on somebody's entire, not just career, but life. You Their know? Because yeah. you see with people who hold political office, there's so much that can happen that's significant before and after the actual, like, time they're occupying uh, a position that I think it's always nice to reflect I agree. But let's end on an actual fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact about Madeleine Albright. So throughout her career, Albright was known for wearing brooches or decorative pins to convey her foreign policy messages. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets Hell better. yeah. Mm-hmm. When she found out that the Russians had bugged the State Department, she wore a large bug pin when she next met with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 When Saddam Hussein referred to Albright as a snake, she took to wearing a gold snake pin. When she was called a witch, she proudly brandished a miniature broom. When she... When she... Sorry, this is amazing. It's amazing. 
and win the acting director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, suggested that only immigrants who can, quote, stand on their own two feet and, quote, are welcome in the United States, Albright wore a Statue of Liberty pin. Hell yeah. I love. We don't, I miss this kind of baller shit. I know. We don't see this kind, like, this is mob stuff. This is, This is gangster as hell. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Yeah. I love this. She doesn't have to say anything. All she's saying is like, I heard you. And I am a snake. And I am a snake. I love it. I mean. I love, I love. Oh, it's so good. Though she be little, she is fierce. Bill Shakespeare said it best. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not about, it's not about, what you look like, it's about how you act. Mm-hmm. That goes for everything. So shout out to Madeline Albright. You know, regardless of if you agreed or disagreed with her or what she did as Secretary of State, gotta respect that she was the first female Secretary of the United States and I think lived a life worthy of taking note of. So with that... That is the end of our episode. And as always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.